Welcome to Simulcast. I'm Victoria Brazel. I'm Ben Simon. I'm Jesse Spur. I'm Jess Stokes Parish, and you're listening to Simulcast. Connecting the healthcare simulation community. So welcome to Simulcast. I'm Victoria Brazel, and in this episode, I've joined by Jessica Stokes Parish, and we are going to do a Sim Reconnect FOMO episode for you. How are you, Jess? <laughs> I'm great. Already feeling FOMO that this was so long ago. I know, I know. So what are we going to be talking about? Uh, as some of you know, Simulcast and Bond University put on our second Simulation Reconnect Symposium last November. Uh, and this is something that we did uh, in 2022 and now again 2023 to try and pull together uh, those in the healthcare simulation community who'd like to spend a day uh, listening to a few talks, networking with some colleagues and sharing some of their experiences. We had a great time in 2022. We also had a great time in 2023. We realised not everybody could be there. So Jess and I have taken it on ourselves to try and distill down some of the learning that we had. Uh, If you're interested either as someone who unfortunately missed out, or as someone who went and would like a little reminder about what we talked about. Uh, We had over 100 people this year. Uh, They were from a whole variety of different professions, uh, geographies, mainly around Australia. Uh, And I think we heard a diverse range of talks and all in, and we had a couple of workshops uh, the day before. So uh, I think you and I were quite happy with how it went. Yeah, I mean, obviously obviously our bias influences that, but... uh, you know, the general vibe was very relaxed, um, lots of opportunities for people to connect because that's what it's all about from our perspective. You know, it was kind of that um, post-immediate period of COVID where no one had seen each other and so this opportunity to really hear from each other um, is just such a great opportunity and, you know, it's hard to get places these days for a long conference and, you know, competing interests. So having this you know, day and a half essentially is a really nice touch point. Absolutely. So we're just going to go through it in order with a couple of take-home points on each one from Jess and I. So our keynote speaker was Vicky LeBlanc, all the way from Canada, uh, who spent a month with us on sabbatical, and she gave a talk titled Predictable Chaos, How Emotions Guide Learning and Performance. Uh, as some of you might know, Vicky uh, has written a number of articles uh, and done quite a deal of research in this area of stress and emotion and simulation, particularly looking at sort of high-stress activity in healthcare. She's done quite a bit of work with paramedics, but also other groups. And my take-homes from this talk were that, you know, it's more complex than I might have thought. It's not just a matter of get people stressed and find the sweet spot and they'll learn the right amount. I think her talk made it clear to me there's not a simple sweet spot for emotional activation to be helpful in SIM. Turns out people are quite variable and even the same stimulus, as it were, might be perceived differently by different people. The other thing that I think I took away was there's not a single spectrum of high and low emotional activation, but in fact, there's other dimensions to this. So I think uh, her guidance for facilitators in that talk was about recognizing emotion and thinking hard about looking for it, uh, deciding if it's helpful or harmful, and then regulate that emotion as appropriate. And I know we've seen lots in the simulation literature about how that regulation might take place through debriefing strategies and others. 
But I think that little uh, framework that she provided, I know she's also got another publication in the works that will uh, hopefully allow for some dissemination for that. So looking out for that publication. And what I'll also do, Jess, is put a link to the one that she did with Glenn Posner uh, about a year ago that we did a Simulcast episode on as well. So that was my take home from Vicky. Uh, any other thoughts from you, Jess? Yeah, look, I think a lot of my thoughts echoed yours and, and we had lots of side conversations with Vicky about, you know, how easy it is to be reductive about emotion and even more reductive when it comes to emotions and learning. And we were just kind of debriefing on how, you know, people will make really grand blasé statements on X Twitter or social media of some sort and it's just not that simple it's it's nuanced and and I think for those of us that have delved into educational theory and um, we've we've looked at constructivism and behaviorism and all these things you know it becomes so important when we think about emotions to know that what we've experienced before really influences how we engage in this particular setting and and the cognitive biases and um, ideologies that we bring into how we interact in the sim space, but also in our clinical spaces, I think was really what was driven home to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of that came out in the workshop that uh, I did with her, as well as uh, Lisa Canetti about stress exposure sims and this same kind of embrace emotion, but also just be a little bit thoughtful. All right, and then our next talk was from Katie Walker and our own Ben Simon, both of whom are from MARTA uh, Education, the simulation program there. And they gave a talk that was titled Value-Based Simulation, Thoughts on Impact Measures. So they were really looking at this idea about demonstrating value, return on investment uh, from simulation activities. And uh, there were a couple of things about this one. First, it was a showcase in uh, how a conversation can be a presentation. So the two of them were on stage and uh, Ben did a lovely interview of Katie. Uh, and that was a nice way of getting their messages across. In terms of what they talked about, they went through some of our traditional evaluation frameworks, such as Kirkpatrick's, you know, level one to four, right from did people like their educational offerings, right through to have they had an impact on patient care or outcomes. And then turned their attention to other models, looking more specifically at this idea of return on investment, uh, which led to a bit of a conversation about what do we mean by value and how that might be different in different contexts. And obviously in a hospital-based SIM program, I've got a different kind of value to demonstrate than uh, if you're there at the Bond Medical Program, Jess, and that's a different kind of value to demonstrate. And I think my take-home was be thoughtful about who you're trying to demonstrate value to and what it should be in your context and recognise it's not probably going to be a randomised control trial of sim versus nothing. It's going to be a much more thoughtful uh, way of thinking about demonstrating value. So that was my takeaway. We have been in the sim community interested in this concept of ROI for a few years now. And again, it's really easy to be attracted to it because we all have business cases to write. We've got something we've got to convince someone to spend money on. Um, and and it's just not always that simple. Uh, and, and maybe sometimes it's not worth doing an ROI uh, assessment because there may be other purposes or objectives that you're trying to achieve. And, you know, is it right to be doing an ROI if you're trying to improve team culture and, and you're you measure financial position because 
um, yeah, for whatever reason. So I think it was quite interesting. I loved their approach. Um, I think it's interesting coming from a nursing background and knowing, you know, we can be really as nurses, depending on what type of nursing we've done, we can be very focused on procedure, policy, business benchmarks. And so to kind of come full circle and, and think about maybe that's not the best approach is is always a good conversation to have. Mm, absolutely. We'll watch this space because I'm sure we're not done with that conversation in the simulation community. No. Uh, yes. Uh, our next big talk was from Ellen Davies from uh, Adelaide Health Simulation. Uh, and she I think talked... this was my favourite. This, this was your favourite? Oh, I think this was my favourite. I can't pick a favourite. It's like picking favourite yeah. children, Jess. I just uh, liked Ellie's presentation slides. Yes, she, she true. Had... I think she was the winner for slides on the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So Ellie presented uh, a synopsis of her recent article called The Art and Science of Designing Recommendations for an Organisation-Wide Simulation Program. And actually, simulcast listeners will remember that we just did a episode with her. Jessie led that uh, conversation. So if, I'll give the link back to the simulcast episode. Uh, but essentially, she went through how do we actually embed and integrate SIM into a health service? And um, for many of us, that means hospital, but it doesn't have to. Uh, and yet again, this is the importance of that context of being driven by health service needs. And here she gave a talk about some things that don't always come up in simulation literature, like what is the governance and leadership of the program? What are the resources? What kind of operational principles and planning do we have? Um, how do we actually evaluate this program? So yes, she had a very tidy presentation style, some really important issues that I think we've got to think about if we're trying to implement and embed. Our SIM can be great, but if it's not actually aligned organisationally at a number of levels with uh, our health services, it's probably not going to achieve its potential. So apart from the slides, were there any other take-homes for you, Jess? No, just I think it's a really important area for discussion and I do think governance um, and, and the values and leaderships and, and how we operationalise these things are really important is part of our, you know, goals for success. Mm, absolutely, which is not to say those issues aren't there for educationally based simulation. They are, uh, but I guess we think about it more about curricular integration when we're talking about educational institutions and, and that's got to be very thoughtful uh, as well. Uh, then our next speaker was Deborah Nestel, who uh, icon in the simulation community, editor in chief of the International Journal of Healthcare Simulation, uh, professor of uh, simulation from Monash University, and she gave a really interesting talk, which she titled "What I Learned from Healthcare Simulation Research Published Last Year." We always wonder whether Deborah's got anything left to learn, uh, but of course she's endlessly curious. And she presented a content analysis of the four major sim journals with respect to the types of research that they publish. Uh, and maybe not surprisingly, but really good to see it laid out explicitly. She found significant differences in the qualitative, quantitative, mixed methods. Uh, and as she framed it, this has implications for uh, what we might be reading and where we might be publishing our work. Because obviously, if you're trying to publish one of those types of research in a journal that it's not really often in their wheelhouse, it's going to be much more difficult uh, because their reviewers might not be as experienced in those types of work. I'm sure 
she's going to disseminate this forthcoming, so I better not spoil. Do you have any spoilers? Uh, but I think this. The other thing I thought about this was this was similar to some work that she did a couple of years ago, looking at uh, equity and diversity across the sim journals and the kind of sources. How many so-called global south? Um, kind of publications were there, what were the representation on editorial boards. So I think Deborah keeps on pushing us to think about the strategic issues, Jess. Yeah, and look, I love Deborah's way of presenting this data. Um, you know, it's very thoughtful, it's very detailed, and just being able to see a tabular presentation of all of these aspects was really fantastic. And, of course, Deborah presents it in her really um, kind and unassuming way of curiosity, positioning from a place of curiosity. And so, yeah, I thought it was fab. And then uh, Simulcast comes in again. Our own Jessie Spur gave the next talk, which was titled Finding Our Voices as Clinicians and Educators. So as you know, uh, Jessie is a Simulcast co-producer, but he's also a very experienced uh, nurse and nurse educator, uh, nurse leader. And he's been running this uh, podcast, as well as ours, uh, called Five Things Nursing for 12 months. And it was really interesting. He was telling the story about the various podcasts he's been involved with, but particularly that one. Uh, and really, I think, sent this message about podcasting as a way of connecting with and between a community. Uh, and I like this phrase. He says, our who is our why is our what which means think first about who your community is and then that has to be your motivation and then that leads to what you do and what your content is. So uh, unsurprisingly, a very thoughtful um, presentation from Jesse and just lovely to hear the story uh, and how his philosophy behind uh, the work mm. he does. Mm. Yeah, look, I um, often refer to Jesse and his way of communicating um, you know, those of you that follow my work know that I do a bit of dabbling in science communication and I think Jessie's, you know, one of those standouts that is not afraid to trailblaze and, and try different things. And I think getting a podcast out that's an official podcast of a government organisation is massive and um, he's he's done fabulous. It was great to hear the journey. Mm, absolutely. Uh, and then next, uh Seems to we we had a run of nursing leaders. Uh, we had Zach Buxton, who at that stage was just making the transition from Westmorton Health here in Queensland to working with us at the Gold Coast Health Service. Uh, he gave a really interesting talk called "Demystifying 3D Printing for Simulation Educators." Uh, again, he did a lovely job of telling us this personal story, including some fails along the way of him learning how to do 3D printing, and I think very uh, with a great deal of discipline thinking about what was going to be helpful, what he could 3D print that actually would be useful for simulation educators. Uh, and I think what he uh, conveyed to me, at least, was that this sort of tech needs a direction, uh, but it also needs some experimentation and trying things out. And, you know, he told us about plenty of times in his garage of trying this and trying that to find the right kind of recipes and to think about the devices like arterial line trainers and other things that were easy wins for 3D printing, whereas there's some things that just aren't going to be amenable to it. Uh, so, you know, it, one of the things is there is some opportunities to save some money and resources uh, if you are prepared to develop some of that upfront uh, skills. So, yeah, 
I thought it was really um, practical and interesting as one who is not in any way, shape or form across the technicalities of 3D printing. Yeah, for sure. And I think it was a nice um, illustration of how we tried to design the event to have this mix of theory and empirical evidence and also just this really practical stuff that connects with things that many of us either wrestle with or we just have other people to organise and do for us and we're so lucky to. Um, and so I think it's great to have that that nice balance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then our next, uh, Namat Al-Saba, who is emergency physician here at the Gold Coast with us, but also at Bond has various roles, uh, including leading the simulation program for the medical students. And she gave a talk about one of her passions, which was working with older adults as simulated participants, optimizing learning for everyone. Uh, she's done a lot of work on this with some of the other luminaries in the SP methodology from around the world uh, and has published on that. And so she was drawing on some of the work that she'd published, thinking about uh, the people who are the simulated participants or simulated patients uh, and what might be their reality if they're older people uh, in terms of their physical abilities, in terms of what that might mean for helping them do their role portrayals, and also how that might uh, influence in mostly a very positive way their reflections back to the learners uh, about the patient experience. And I think the other thing that was probably cautionary were, you know, that we can have some quite negative if and if unintended outcomes, if older patients aren't portrayed carefully and sensitively and authentically. And uh, and I think there is an appropriate debate about whether a young person can put on a mask and say, hey, I'm an old lady, uh, and thinking about that appropriation of experience and how we balance that. Um, yeah, so a, a thought-provoking, Jess. Yeah, I feel like it's really the beginning of those conversations. Like I think there's been peripheral conversations about this, um, and I really look forward to seeing how the sim community discusses this moving forward. Um, like you said, the, you know, the challenges around appropriation, but there's also this piece about the value of older people in community, right, and and how easily we can default to discarding or, or removing because it's too hard. And Namat presents a beautiful format for thinking about including older people in simulation. You know, you think about preparation and pre-sim you think about in the sim and post-sim and, and how can we best set them up for success but really all of those things we should be applying to any simulated participant that's participating in a simulation yeah absolutely implications for quite a deal of other uh, diversity and inclusion issues as well yeah and then our next uh, short talk was from Nicole Sung, who's an emergency physician from the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital, and she talked about the work they've been doing there on building a high-performance teamwork strategy, uh, which they have an acronym for, which is TACT. Uh, and again, a lovely style of presentation where she shared the the hard work, but very impactful work of Royal Brisbane setting up a high performance teamwork strategy, working with some key teams there. Uh, but her message really was that SIM is a great way to help teams come together, but you need a lot of supporting activities on either side of that for this work on teamwork to improve. And I think the term the teamwork people use for this is thinking about the conditions 
in which your simulation training is operating. And if you haven't optimized those conditions and if you don't have ways where whatever is done in the team training can be uh, lead to changes in practice, then your sim is forever going to be this isolated little bubble uh, and not something that's integrated and impactful. And so she pointed out in this lovely little pie chart about how actually the work they did, sim ended up being a relatively small part because they were doing a lot of other work with the teams uh, either side of the sim. Yeah, look, um, Nicole's presentation was a masterclass on presenting skills. Like she was humorous, she was relatable, she was dynamic and energetic. Like I think we've unlocked another speaking gem, you know, in the sim community. Um, and it was really enjoyable, especially because it was after lunch, uh, we, you know, winding down in the day. And it was really insightful to hear those perspectives. Totally. And then uh, speaking of talented presenters, we uh, finished off with um, Ian Summers uh, with a talk that he titled Confessions of a Mannequin Addict. And this was another interactive experience where he did a simulation on stage of a patient with uh, supraventricular tachycardia and, and managing that patient. But the message was he did this with a real live human simulated patient uh, paired with appropriate monitoring and other adjuncts that meant she looked like she was in SVT. Uh, and he really, again, told the story about how easily you can become bounded by your modalities. And if, uh, like him, he said he hung out with the bad crowd, anaesthetists, he got into the way of using mannequins uh, for his simulations and recognising that, in fact, there's many other ways of doing things well. Uh, and so it was a very entertaining show, but with a very powerful point about how now we've got so many good technological adjuncts that hybrid modalities uh, are, are many opportunities for how we portray our patients or our clinical encounters uh, in general. So we, re I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, that was great. And I think it kind of revisits that point about authenticity and purpose and values and, and what like it really summed up a lot of the messages throughout the day in a nice visual presentation and it gives us a lot to think about in terms of are we doing tech for the sake of tech uh why are we doing what we're doing um and it's always great to have that absolutely well, simulcast listeners, uh, there is also a nice little summary of the day on in iJOS, and I'll put the link for that in the show notes for this episode. Thank you to Liam McCullough, one of our fellows who wrote it, and thank you very much to Deborah who invited it. So just a little summary there in iJOS. Uh, and I know you're all wondering, 2024, is Sim Reconnect on again? Of course. Uh, Jess, it's Wednesday the 27th of November. Mark yep. your diaries. Yes, we are pumped. We are excited. We've got the room locked in. We are ready to go for another successful year. And Vic, you've um, managed to secure yes. some exciting speakers. I think we're going to have some Norwegian friends come to share some of their experience uh, with us. And uh, I think they're quite excited about coming to Australia. So uh, look out for more about that. Obviously, we will have some announcements on Simulcast as the year goes on, and we'll be um, emanating some of that uh, promo out from the Bond Translational Sim Collaborative as well. Hey, Vic, while we're talking about that, we should mention that we are having a Writers' Festival on the 18th of March. So we have the wonderful Lorelai Lingard coming to visit us at Bond and we thought what better opportunity to 
you know, refine our writing, look at our manuscripts, think about our communications. And so we've got a whole day event here on Bond Campus on the 18th of March. Uh, it's $250. Uh, you can register and come and join us. Um, we've got a whole range of things around workshops, writing, uh, generative AI and writing, and more creative writing, poetry, non-traditional media, and so on. Yeah, I know. I'm super looking forward to it. And uh, Simulcast listeners, if that sounds like you, uh, I will also put a link in the show notes for the episode. Uh, But also if you check out Jess or me on uh, LinkedIn, you'll probably find us giving you a couple of reminders about that opportunity uh, over the next few weeks. Well, Jess, thanks for joining me. I feel like we don't hear enough of you on the Simulcast airwaves, but uh, this was a good episode to do. (laughs) <laughs> we will indeed. All right, Simulcast listeners, uh, I'm sorry if you didn't make it to Simulation Reconnect. Even if you did, I hope this was a nice little reminder of some of the good work that got uh, shared there. And uh, we'd love to see anyone who's interested in coming along this year. And uh, the program is still pretty wide open. So if people have got ideas or thoughts or something they'd like to contribute, uh, please let uh, Jess or me know. But for now, this is Victoria and Jess signing off for Simulcast. See ya. Thank you for listening to Simulcast. Simulcast. 